Hello and welcome to Queen V, the life of Queen Victoria. My name is Donnie Hazel and I am your host. If you wish to support this podcast, there will be a link provided for you in the show details and it will be very much appreciated as it goes to help support the cost of maintaining the podcast and our website. With that said, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Queen V, the life of of Queen Victoria. The young princess turns 18 and in less than a month becomes queen. The king is not at all well and there they all are jostling for position. The princess Victoria concerns herself with parties and balls Or so it seems. She must be resolute in all her doings, as she is still, according to the Duchess and Sir John, a minor. Oh, Mama, just look. Isn't this the most beautiful ball gown you have ever seen? And so it should be. An 18th birthday is important in any girl's life. In your case, my darling child, it is vital that you should look every inch a princess. And my ringlets, dear Ledson, are they even all the way round? Perfectly, madam. And your tiara is exquisite. Do you think there will be many people lining the route? Undoubtedly. Some will have stayed on from this afternoon. Such loyalty. See how the silk catches the light. Mm. I'm going to dance all night through, Mama. I've been so lucky. A grand piano, imagine that. The king is so good to me. Oh, oh, and the most original and dear presence from you all. (laughs) It has been such a glorious day, full of fun and frivolity. That is good. I want it to be a day you remember. But tomorrow I will be sensible and serious. In fact, I have many plans mulling around in my head. When they are properly formulated, I shall discuss them with you. Today is my 18th birthday. How old, and yet how far am I from being what I should be? I shall from this day take the firm resolution to study with renewed assiduity, to keep my attention always well fixed on whatever I am about, and to strive to become less trifling and more fit for what, if heaven wills it, I am some day to be. Your Royal Highness, shall we step onto the balcony for a while? It can be rather difficult to conduct conversations in close proximity to the orchestra, who, may I say, are playing splendidly. (laughs) Do you think I have been dancing for too long, Lord Melvin? I long to waltz and gallop, but I am happy to watch as well. To see the young swirling round the floor is indeed a pretty sight. I won't keep you from the quadrille, ma'am. I merely wanted the opportunity to wish you a very happy birthday. Mm. Not just as Prime Minister, speaking on behalf of Parliament, but uh, on my own account, as your devoted servant. You are so kind, Lord Melvin. And it has been a remarkable day. I'm quite dizzy with it all. Without wishing to be too serious on such a happy occasion, I would ask you to take heed. Be guided by those you trust. Do not allow yourself to be manipulated by those who would wish to take control. Your Uncle Leopold and his advisor, Baron Stockmar, are watchful on my behalf. Yes, indeed. Between us, we will do our utmost to protect you. (laughs) 
For one sojourn, you may take your rightful place at my side as controller of my household. But only because the king is not present. Some say he is failing fast. Victoria will soon be queen. Then we must persevere with our plans. Victoria has responded to his letter, giving her a grant and the power to appoint her own keeper of the privy purse. Did she copy our suggested reply? Word for word. After lengthy coercion. The daughter must be guided by her mother. Mm. I think that since the king is so ill, we should persuade her royal highness to think again on the matter of who should be her private secretary. She won't give in lightly. As governess to my beloved charge, her royal highness, the princess Victoria, I must record that we are living through perilous times here in Kensington Palace. It is imperative that I keep King Leopold and Baron Stockmar informed of the pressures being put on the child. They, in turn, pass on information to Lord Melbourne. But is it enough? All our activities are being watched, all conversations listened to, usually, by Lady Flora Hastings, who reports back to the Duchess. Princess Victoria is at breaking point. I regularly correspond with King Leopold, but he is too far away to prevent the situation from worsening. There you are, my darling child. You wanted to see me, Mama? Sir John and I both want to see you. There are matters concerning your future... That we both feel must be addressed now, especially as the King is not in the best of health. I cannot think of anything that is pressing. My financial status has been sorted out... To your satisfaction, I think, Mama. As it should be. But not my uncle's, I think. The king was not pleased. He is an old man. You should be guided by us, Victoria. I have always been grateful for your guidance, Mama. But I am now in a position to make my own decisions. You will still need a private secretary who has intimate knowledge of your background and needs and aspirations. A simple signature is all that is required. The transition from princess to queen will be a smooth one under my authority. I will not sign. You must not ask again. I will never sign this document. I will never again sign any document dictated by Sir John. I will choose my own private secretary when the time is right. You cannot talk to me like this. I have to, Mama. I must make myself very clear. I would thank you, Sir John, for any advice you may have given me. But from now on, I will not listen to you. You are not my advisor. And you never will be. Well, Your Royal Highness, I do believe that we are far enough away from the palace, and Baroness Leitzen is at a safe distance. I trust her with my life. Lord Melvin, please help me. I am finding it increasingly difficult to keep my resolve. This is a most difficult situation, ma'am, but rest assured that I'm doing everything that I can. I will be coerced. I know it. But I won't give in. It would be signing away my entire life. The King is perfectly aware of what is happening. But as I said to his confidential secretary, that even though you are now 18, were you to succeed, your mother would still want control. That simply cannot be. And I'm afraid that she would appeal to public sympathy. After all, everyone approves of the way she has nurtured you, ma'am, and protected you from the less appealing elements at court. There's no denying it. And my situation is impossible. Mama is manipulated by Sir John. King John, as we refer to him. The real fact is, he wants money. Is there nothing I can do? Give him enough rope and he'll hang himself. Now, it may appear that we are doing nothing, Your Royal Highness, but it is often the best cause, believe me. I'll try. 
You should join us, Baroness. A brisk walk is called for. Thank you, Lord Melbourne, but I am quite content to um, contemplate the morning. The 15th of June, 1837. I hear that the doctors think my poor uncle, the king, cannot last more than 48 hours. Poor man. He was always kind to me, and he meant it well, I know. I am grateful for it, and shall ever remember his kindness with gratitude. He was odd, very odd and singular, but his intentions were often ill-interpreted. I feel very sorry for him. He was always personally kind to me, and I should be ungrateful and devoid of feeling if I did not remember this. Dearest child, you must get up immediately. So early? What? Come, put on your robe. Let me brush your hair. Oh, Mama. The Archbishop is waiting for you. I... I must see him alone. I went into my sitting room only in my dressing gown, and alone, and saw them. Lord Cunningham then acquainted me that poor Uncle the King was no more, and had expired at twelve minutes past two this morning, and consequently, that I am Queen. Lord Cunningham knelt down and kissed my hand, at the same time delivering to me the official announcement of the poor King's demise. The Archbishop then told me that the Queen, dearest Aunt Adelaide, was desirous that he should come and tell me the details of the last moments of my poor, good uncle, that he had directed his mind to religion and had died in a perfectly happy, quiet state of mind and was quite prepared for his death. Since it has pleased Providence to place me in this station, I shall do my utmost to fulfil my duty towards my country. I am very young, and perhaps in many, though not in all things, inexperienced, but I am sure that very few have more real goodwill and more real desire to do what is fit and right than I have. I have decided, dear Leitzen, that Mama's bed should be removed from my room. I will from this moment sleep alone. Yes, madam. And perhaps you would inform Mama of my decision. I will have to make her understand that I wish to talk to my ministers alone. I know she expects to be present at all interviews, but it must not happen. Of course, Twenty-fifth of June, 1837. Dear Uncle Leopold, Though I have an immense deal of business to do, I shall write you a few lines. I am very well, sleep well, and drive every evening in the country. It is so hot that walking is out of the question. Before I go further, let me pause to tell you how fortunate I am to have at the head of the government a man like Lord Melbourne. I have seen him now every day, and the more I see him, the more confidence I have in him. He is not only a clever statesman and an honest man, but a good and kind-hearted man whose aim is to do his duty for his country 
and not for party. He is the greatest use to me both politically and privately. I'm afraid Mama is quite angry with me. I will not have Sir John Conroy anywhere near me, and that is that. Your Majesty need not be troubled any further. Sir John has been persuaded to resign his post as controller. Oh, that is the very best news I could have. <laughs> but his resignation comes at a price. We think we will have to bow to some of his demands, however extravagant they may be, for the sake of a quiet life. Yes, indeed. <laughs> the 1st of July, 1837. I have so many communications from the ministers, and from me to them, and I get so many papers to sign every day, that I have always a great deal to do. But for want of time and space, I do not write these things down. I delight in this work. Indeed, Lord John Russell was moved to say... We have had glorious female reigns. Those of Elizabeth and Anne led us to great victories. Let us now hope that we are going to have a female reign illustrious in its deeds of peace. An Elizabeth without her tyranny. An Anne without her weakness. By the total abolition of slavery. By a more enlightened method of punishing crime. And by the improved education of the people the reign of Victoria might prove celebrated among the nations of our earth and to our posterity. I pray that I might fulfill these aspirations. Thank you for listening to this episode of Queen Bee, the life of Queen Victoria. Remember, if you would like to support this podcast, you can look in the show description notes to find a link. Thank you and have a great day.